How does one mold their character to avoid becoming Cain rather than Abel? And how does one be a royal leader such as Queen Esther rather than a villain like Haman? The order of our character is something which is actually quite important because we can be bent in a lot of different ways. But we want to be make sure that we are being bent towards holiness and we are moving towards holiness and we are increasing in our transformation into Christ's likeness. God is a God of order and he expects his servants to be organized also. And organizing our character so that we have control over our person when life throws unexpected situations at us is very important. Sometimes the situations we get thrown into are exciting. Other times they are devastating. Different aspects of our character need to handle different things. And this is not just a good side, bad side, but there are different good attributes that need to handle different situations. And it is very important that we are well-rounded people. Being well-rounded is a good thing. And in this episode, we're going to discuss practical tips of how to discipline our characters so that we are actually dealing with different situations very well. So welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And we are all clergy here in the Church of the Nazarene, and I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And in this episode, we're going to pick up on a conversation that Anthony and I had had a couple of weeks ago. We put out a video titled, How to Avoid Being Cain. And in that, we discussed how Cain allowed himself to be ruled by his temptation. He chose to let the frustrated side of his character deal with a situation that it should not have. There are times when we are frustrated and you can actually channel frustration to become better. But instead, Cain allows that to mull and it evolves into resent and evil consume the situation. So before we get too far along in this, you know, the Babylon Bee, they put out a really good article on how we can sometimes be cured of things. Anthony, would you read the meme that they put together? Man instantly cured of clinical depression after friend shows him Bible verse about anxiety being a sin. All right, y'all, I think we actually should just have that and that's the end of the video. Just show people that's a Bible it. verse of everything that's a sin and that'll cure all the world of its problems. Maybe. Obviously. Yeah, obviously that is satirical. And molding one's character is not easy. And while the Babylon Bee is great and they have hilarious things, before we begin and get into some of our scripture and looking at some of our, our in-depth conversation, I just wanted to throw this to those in the studio. What are some practical tips that you use to make sure that you don't fall in the trap of getting in the wrong side of your character? Again, once you become Cain, once you become someone like Mr. Hyde, it's really hard to come back from that and things happen which you will regret. How do you just plan in the future to make sure you don't ever devolve into that? Amanda? Um, well, I think one of the things that's really helped me is um, to count to 10. And, and sometimes that, that sounds like such a cliche bit of advice to give. Um, but really just to mentally um, take a step back and think about what's happening in the situation before reacting to it. Um, and at sometimes situations may be so chaotic and so vol volatile that more than just mentally taking a step back, but physically finding a different location to think in um, and not running away from situations. Um, but understanding that there's a time to be by yourself, to think, to contemplate, and then to re-engage in, in the conversation. And there's some conversations, though, that are so far beyond uh, reasonable that it, you need to do more than just step away, but actually say, nope, this is bad, goodbye forever, and, and completely walk away. But no, just really just taking time to think before reacting um, has been very helpful in, in dealing with situations with... Um, logically and compassionately um, and in ways that sometimes our immediate knee-jerk reaction can't handle. 
Yeah, and that's something which is really hard. The temptation to to come into a situation and react, maybe get in some sort of argument, is really great. And there are times to actually hash things out and there are other times to walk away. Separating yourself with time will help you discern which is which. Pastor Mike, you have any thoughts on this? I like what uh, James writes and uh, the advice that he gives is quick to uh, listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that seems to work really well. Uh, it's harder, it's easier to say and harder to practice, but it is a, a practice to listening. And I've often been in places where, you know, maybe it's a situation where someone's, you know, trying to you know, uh, create some type of discussion, really an argument, and they convince themselves that, oh, wait a minute, as they uh, talk through it. So it's some, it's great to be able to listen and just, you know, um, let, let things be and slow to anger, for sure. All right, for today's conversation, we're going to be talking about Esther from the book of Esther. Esther is a Jewish girl who becomes a Persian queen in the Old Testament. A villain named Haman tricks the Persian king to use his power to kill all the Jews that are under Persian rule. And Esther is tasked with the very arduous task of rising to the occasion of delivering her people. Many are out weeping in sackcloth, but Esther composes herself and she classes herself up. She literally puts on her royal robes for a difficult task. Esther has great emotional control and great discretion about her person. And her emotional control and her emotional discretion allow her to behave like a true world-class queen. Whereas the villain, the scoundrel Haman, he manipulates the king with classless begging. He is rather tacky in his behavior, and the juxtaposition between the two is one that's worth talking about. So let's get into the story of Esther, and we'll pitch this around the studio, and we'll see what all thoughts come to mind, comparing these two people about how this is really what makes a classy, very capable, and very competent leader versus the scoundrel who has taken the world towards destruction. Anthony, would you read from us in Esther chapter 4, verse 11? All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to Solomon may the person live. I myself have not been called to come in, into the king for 30 days. Okay, so emotional discretion and control of character are important things to the story of Esther because she knows which side of her character to use when and where. Now, as stated there in that verse, that's a excerpt from Esther chapter four, where she's talking to Mordecai, her cousin, but Esther is actually having to break one rule. But when you actually look at her as a whole, she has a lot more class and she's actually a lot more familiar with the traditions of royalty, even though she's a Jewish girl who has been thrust into the midst of a world of royalty. Esther knows with her character, she says, I am going to have to do this thing, which is a bit unconventional. But at the same time, when it comes time for me making a request to the king, I'm going to do that using all the eloquent customs that are proper of the day. And later in the story, again, she does go in there to the king, which is a, a very brave task. She gets his favor and then she invites him to a banquet. Now, if you just read that, it seems like, well, it's just a queen asking the king to a banquet. but. By ancient tradition, that was how you made a formal request of a world leader, of somebody that's a head of state. If you wanted to bring a proposition to them, you're supposed to do that through having a banquet. You have parties, you have a big fancy way of doing that. And yes, it is posh and upscale, but that was the formal way of making a request. This is not what Haman does, and we'll get to some of that later, but he always comes in and acts casual around the king and kind of manipulates the king through acts of begging. He's rather tacky in his way. 
Both of these things can get someone's favor, and in the story, both of them gather the king's favor, but only one is going to ultimately sway the king towards moral certainty by the end of the story. So after we've read this, I want us to really emphasize Esther's control over her character. Because as we discuss what it means to be someone who is honing their character to have a good discretion, knowing which element of your character is best for which situation, we, we find some really good substance here with, with Esther. What are y'all's initial thoughts when you hear how Esther comes to the situation? And again, she knows it's unconventional for me to do this. Something's got to be done. I'm going to keep class and having banquets, but this one rule I'm going to bend a little bit. Pastor Mike? Well, I think one thing for certain is she has uh, people of integrity that she can go to and godly people such as Mordecai who give great advice uh, and she's willing to listen and uh, hear that. And so that is one of the, the very important, um, I think, disciplines to have in your life is to have someone and, and have that relationship with someone who is uh, a person of integrity to, to listen to and to have counsel going back and forth in the situations. Anthony? Um, that was one of the, in the pre-show, uh, you know, discussing all that. That was one of the things that Mike brought up whenever we were discussing the things that one should do to help mold their character and have self-control is have a good mentor. But I think this is also a pretty huge call to Christians to be good mentors and to go out of your way to mentor people. It's not as though Mordecai conveniently crossed Queen Esther's, Queen Esther's path and said, oh, hey, by the way, here's some godly advice. No, Mordecai took time out of his life to go find Queen Esther and, uh, you know, deliver a message from God. Yeah, very good. Well, let's actually return to Esther. Unless, Amanda, you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think um, not so much on, on uh, their comments, but just on um, kind of the setup for the story of Esther. Um, you do have, what's kind of interesting is um, Haman or Haman is set in this position of power where he really should know the rules of how to, to do and handle situations. And Esther, as you mentioned, I mean, she's just a, a Jewish exile. I, I mean, she's got all the things against her as far as understanding how to work and live in this world. Uh, how to manipulate people, how, how to really act um, or, or to do what needs to get done. And yet she has, even though she does not have class in kind of the traditional sense of, of being right, born into the right family or born into the right situation, she ends up having class because she has character. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, you have this set up from the beginning um, and, and you even have a little bit of a contrast with the queen before her in the sense of why um, Esther is even a queen in the first place. And um, you, you have a lot of contrast in the story uh, about what it means to be a person of character. And this is, so this is the backdrop then that, that people, as you read the story, you're thrown into this situation and then um, ask the question then how we are to act. Yeah, and Haman also, he is the descendant of another king, which again, he has a bit of that royal blood in his line. And you, you would think that he's grown up in noble upper class society, knows how to handle this. Esther's not from any of that at all. But yet you look at how the two behave and one of them is really tacky and the other is very, very eloquent. Anthony, would you read beginning in Esther chapter five, verse five, where we actually see Esther make a choice on who she needs to be to deal with this difficult situation. Esther chapter five, starting in verse one. 
On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace opposite of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne inside the palace opposite the entrance to the palace. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won his favor, and he held out to her the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the top of the scepter. The king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to half of my kingdom. Then Esther said, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly so that we may do so as Esther desires. All right. One has to rule over sin and temptation and not let it rule over you. Haman, whenever he has something come into his mind, he impulsively acts. Esther is not doing that. She's calculated. She's careful. She's organized. She goes into this risky situation and she puts on her royal robes. She's literally putting on royalty. You know, a lot of the Jewish people in this moment are covered in sackcloth and ashes. You know, in her lifetime, there maybe there were times when Esther was in sackcloth and ashes. This is not one of them. Sackcloth Esther is not needed for this task. Esther in royal robes is needed for this task. Though a lot of people, you can legitimately make an argument. You know, there's a decree out to kill you. She's not safe there in the palace herself. You know, it's a good time to put on sackcloth and ashes. But Esther, that is not what is needed. And she knows that. She knows that the impulse, she has to rule over it. She's not going to dress in sackcloth. It's time to put on the royal robes. It's time to be the world-class leader, collect yourself, and to go in and deal with that. And that's really fascinating to me, that that contrast that she's not going to be sackcloth, Esther. What do you all have thoughts on that, Amanda? Yeah, and I, I think, again, as we've talked about, this is a story of contrast. You don't just have the good versus evil, as you see in Haman and, and Esther, but you also have... Um, between Esther and the rest of the Jew Jewish people. And, and by all means, like they're in a slightly different situation because Esther actually has the ability to do something versus everyone else really doesn't have the power or the opportunity. And it takes Esther realizing, okay, because I have a different situation, I have a yeah. different way I can, I can act. And, and not just that, but, but now I have the power and the authority then to do something about it. And, and I think another thing that's a good reminder in the story is just because we take our time and contemplate and calculate how we have to react to situations doesn't mean we're complacent and doesn't mean we're lazy. Um, it just means we're, we have to take, we have discipline and that's really what it is is to take the time and to do the hard steps to make the right choices. And there's, I think there are times when maybe a quicker, more rash action needs to be taken. Um, but if we are really to be people of character, that means we already have kind of that logic set up in our lives when we come to the situations that need a quick response. We know how to react, even in the quickness. Um, so whether we need to take a week to think about something or 10 seconds, we have to have that character set up. And that's where we see in Esther. And as Pastor Mike mentioned earlier, not just um, her, but her community around her to point her in that direction when she was battling with what exactly she should do. Um, and because again, and I know we're gonna get to this in a little bit, but she actually weighs out like, this may cost me my life versus Haman or Haman. He just kind of like busts through the door, um, even though really the consequence is the same thing for him. If the king decides, hey, I'm annoyed with you uh, for just busting through the door, he, you know, Haman could have been killed for that. And so in the midst of all this, of Esther weighing the decision, and I think that's the difficult thing sometimes is if you're actually aware of the world, then you also are aware of 
the, the nasty consequences. But she has that community around her to, to push her towards what the right thing to do is. And to your point there is you've got to be prepared. There are times where you've got to act quickly. But if you want to be prepared for a moment for that, then you've got to think ahead. You've got to know what side of what from my tool belt, what spiritual gift is needed for what situation. And again, one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of the personality tests is because it gives people like, these are my big four, big five things, and these are kind of what I do. And they kind of justify staying within that framework. Like there's like, oh, I'm an introvert. That's something which an extrovert needs to do. So I don't have any responsibility there. We need to know in our tool belt, being well-rounded is a good thing. And even if you're not skilled at something, but you have to be well rounded enough where you say, well, this particular item is needed in that particular situation. And sometimes you have to rise to the occasion and say, well, I've got to do something now. But you're really only equipped to do that if you've thought things out well ahead. It takes organization of character, and that is very difficult to do. But it is a, a spiritual gift. The, the spiritual life of the Christian is quickened by the Holy Spirit to do this. And we'll get to that later. Pastor Mike. Well, also one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is fruit in singular, but in all of those things, whether it you know be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, I think, and faithful, fidelity and faithfulness, self-control is a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. And so even in uh, what where we're talking about uh, comparing Haman and Esther, which one is, is showing humility and one of them uh, is showing arrogance, I think that, that goes with the the other terms that we were using is class and casual. I think uh, another couple terms goes better with that too is humility and arrogance. And we always see Christ being humble. Yeah. Anthony? Something funny about what you just said, Mike, is that um, she's putting on her royal robes and yet that is done in humility. Yes. I think a lot of times we uh, have like a detached idea of humility where humility must be equivalent to lowliness. But in reality, the humble one is the one who is willing and ready to do their absolute best, you know? And it is the prideful person who says, I don't have to give my best, and I don't have to do my best. But beyond that, um, where I, what I was going to pick up on was, we've talked about this before, but in many ways, whenever Esther puts on her royal robes, she's putting on her uniform. She's accepting the call to duty and honorably donning the uniform it takes to face that. You know, she's not just coming in her casual daily wear to approach the king or anything like that. She's putting on basically her best clothes available because she knows that's what the situation demands. The situation is demanding her absolute best and she's ready to do that. And so since we're talking about how to mold your character, um, one should remember to be ready to honor honorably and collectively, uh, or, you know, collecting oneself, um, accept the call to duty. And you got to know what your uniform is too, to that point. You got to know what the fruits of the spirit are. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to have that guidance. Well, let's get a little a bit of a contrast here. So let's see what Haman does. I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I want everybody to see Haman's sort of tackiness. There's a another scene in the book of Esther later in the book in chapter six, where it's the middle of the night. The king can't sleep, but it's a time when the king should be asleep. And Haman kind of gets this whiff in his brain. He says, ah, I think I'll kill Mordecai. I saw him sitting outside the palace and I really can't stand it. And he kind of talks it over with his wife and says, you know, I think I'm going to go to the king and just ask him if I can kill him. And so Haman goes to the king in the middle of the night, a time when the king is normally asleep. It's like a unique night that he's up. 
And when the king hears that someone is in the court, he says, who's in the court? But let's just read the story. Anthony, would you read from Esther chapter 6, verses 4 through 8? The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. So the king's servants told him, Haman is there standing in the court. The king said, let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What shall be done for the man whom the king wishes to honor? Haman said to himself, Whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king wishes to honor, let royal robes be bought, which is which the king has worn, and a horse that the king has ridden, and a royal crown on its head. Haman has no control over his character. He feels an impulse and he goes out, and acts on the impulse. I mean, even the act of building the gallows. You would presume that somebody who just sees someone they don't like, they want to have him killed, they would have done this before. So why, where are his gallows from previous situations? You know, the question is, why does he just need to snap some up now? But everywhere you see him on, his character is impulsive. He's, it's the middle of the night, and he's like, ah, I think I'm going to go wake up the king in the middle of the night. You know, that's a nice thing to do. Um, and talk about somebody that has a haughty, arrogant personality. He really is a scoundrel. He's like, I'm just going to go wake up the king and, you know, talk to him about that. And he goes to the palace and the king's already awake. So, you know, thank goodness um, for the king's sake that he didn't get disturbed that way. But anyways, he goes there and the king says, I'm wanting to honor somebody. And Haman thinks to himself, he's got to be wanting to honor me. Who else could it be? The impulse, the joy, the thought of being dressed up as the king. It's so, it's so crazy. It's not well thought out at all any of this pastor mike well obviously the the king has had these uh nightmares dreams whatever and and then absolutely uh had the uh the the records brought to him and he recognizes that mordecai had uh you know done had actually saved the king at some point in time and so i, I think there's something there that um royalty is is not about just the robes and the clothing uh, but it is clothing yourself, as Anthony mentioned earlier, with humility and uh, self-control and self-sacrifice many times. And so we even see not only Esther doing that, but it is going to be that Mordecai is the one dressed and led around on the, on the, with the king's robes. Yeah, both Mordecai and Esther at different points in the story. Obviously, Esther's the queen, so she's going to have royal robes more and readily access or readily accessible to her. But Mordecai also has this scene where he gets to put on the royal robe. And both of these people, Mordecai and Esther, who are family, um, they experience this different times in their life, but it happens because they're humble people. Whereas Haman, he just is greedy. He wants it. He's, he's this impulsive scoundrel that says, yes, let me, let me have these things. If I want people dead, I want them dead. And it's, it's a really stark contrast. I think it's interesting, too, that, that Mordecai, even though he had, uh, you know, overheard conversation save the king and it was written down in the records he's not going around saying hey i need to be recognized i want to be recognized he did it out of doing what is right and the righteousness and goodness that's in his heart and so there's a difference between the two where uh, haman has really done nothing but absolutely want uh like you said dylan greed or uh, you know anything to build self up and to bring chaos and destruction to the Jewish people. And it happens just in a moment. He didn't go there to get praise. He went there to ask for Mordecai's death, which again, there's irony in the fact that he goes there and at that very time, the same man that he's going there to want killed is about to be rewarded by the king. 
But yeah, he goes and he hears that somebody's getting a reward. He says, ah, oh, I could get that. that. That should be me. So for us living our lives, and when we look to, to something like this, we, we can be inspired by stories like Esther, Nehemiah, you know, make sure you're Nehemiah, not Tobiah and Sambalot. You need to be someone with the, the royal class to, to handle yourself well, which takes a lot of preparation. In the end of the story of Esther, the king, he sympathizes with Esther and he, uh, he, they work out a way of saving the Jewish people. And Haman ends up being hanged on his own gallows is kind of the end of that, that story. But we must know which side of our character needs to do which things. And this, again, is not a good versus evil sort of dualist sort of thinking, but the idea of when to be assertive, when to say, I've got to, to be really firm in this situation. Other times, maybe not so much. So let's just have a conversation for the, the rest of this. You know, there are times where you need to be giving really reasoned arguments. You know, Jesus, he has times where he sits down with people, gives them parables. He explains things carefully. There are other times where Jesus is in the wilderness. The diabolical one comes to tempt him. And he basically says enough to it to shut it up. He doesn't have a long argument with the devil. And I know there's a lot of people who want it. I'm sure the Babylon Bee at some point in time is, <laughs> has had some, like an extra script found where Jesus one-liners that he ends the devil with in the wilderness or something like that. Uh, but, you know, people would really want that. They say, why didn't Jesus just finish him? Just, just quote that scripture to him and just blow him out of existence or something like that. But really, Jesus, when he's there in the wilderness, this is not what the devil is not here to hear anything from him. And having a reasoned argument with him is a waste of time. When do we need to be empathetic? When do we need to be more stern? You know, there are times where Jesus is, is more, he's casual, he's calm with people, he's in the house, they don't understand things, he explains things. There are the times where he says, if they're against the word you're carrying, shake the sand off of your sandals and move along. There's discretion that is needed, knowing when to have your casual clothes on, when to have your classy royal robes on. What are y'all thinking when you hear about these, these choices of which side do we need and how can we help people along those lines? Pastor Mike? Well, I believe, first of all, you, you have to have um, a, a, an asking and a filling of the Holy Spirit to help you discern these things, even in this the name of this show, the kingdom of the Logos, Logos being logic and reasoning. It is God's logic and, and um, reason that we seek in the kingdom. And so when we read the Bible, I think we, we need to pray to say, God, help me ingest what is written here and how you have worked in the lives of the people of God over the centuries and you are continuing to walk and help me to discern how I can apply this not only to my life but to the situations and some of those are very serious situations that you encounter. So I, I think, you know, reading the Bible and not just reading it and taking it out of context uh, like you, we started the show off with, with the Babylon Bee, and you know, it's a sin to, to have anxiety, uh, you know, and say, well, that man was cured. No, I think you have to read and ingest the Bible um, and, and ask for God to give you reasoning. I think even just reading it is not enough. You have to have that discernment from the Holy Spirit. Well, I, oh, Go ahead, Amanda. Well, and I think also um, we talk about in, in a lot of our Bible classes and learning how to be ministers and pastors about exegeting the Bible and that's where you investigate and discover and you read commentaries and, and different things like that. But you also have to exegete the situation. You have to exegete um, the world around you. And that's how you know, like, you know, something is kind of a silly example, but you have to know, you know, you wear a swimsuit to the beach and a three-piece suit to maybe a, a business meeting. 
or if you're Dylan and Anthony, you may always wear a three-piece suit. I don't know. Yes, but, um, <laughs> always. To the beach, for sure. Uh, even to the beach. I actually but, just wore my pajamas in today, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Rolled out of bed like this. No, but 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 no, you have to know where you are and, and, and what the situation is asking for. Yeah. And that's hard. And, you know, even thinking about what we talked about last uh, week, we talked about the 10th article of faith, which is entire sanctification. There's a part in there that says there is a difference between Christian perfection and maturity. And, and so we can be wholly, uh, entirely sanctified people, and still sometimes we can act immature. And there are situations that are, um, there's a clear answer between good and evil. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes we make a mistake and it's sinful. Sometimes it's just a mistake. It just, it just happened. Um, you know, sometimes you make a left when you need to make a right. You misheard the directions. That's just something that's a mistake. And I think that discernment is necessary, then how do we rectify the situation? If a mistake is made, how do we make it better? Or if a situation's happening around us, maybe it's not a choice we made, but something happened around us where we are thrown into uh, the, the situation where we have to make a decision. And so we have to exegete that, that circumstance. And that's difficult. And Sometimes there doesn't seem to be a right answer, and, and a lot of times I think it's been thrown around, especially in our current political climate, where it talks about choosing the lesser of two evils, as if ever there's only two choices, or if ever we have to play by the world's rules. And if we play by the world's rules, then we will always be faced with the lesser of two evils. But somehow, with God's given grace and creativity and imagination, uh, we can see in our world sometimes there's a seventh or a tenth option that we can pick and we can choose and maybe even rewrite the circumstances we've been we've been thrust into and that's complicated and frustrating and beyond our control sometimes or even beyond our imagination but as Pastor Mike said that's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit that regardless of the weight of the decision whether it's something really small and insignificant or something quite weighty uh, we can live as holy people not just on Sunday or Wednesday. Yeah, and that takes a lot of preparation to be able to do that. Well, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up. Any final thoughts, Anthony? Uh, you know, all I would have to say about this specific conversation is that I'm probably the worst person to ask. Whenever it comes to, I mean, I guess we all think that. We all think, man, I'm really, really bad at knowing whenever it's time to be able, Anthony, and whenever it's time to be, I don't know, maybe a different version of Anthony. I don't want to say Cain Anthony. <laughs> yeah, but, we hope you're not you know, Cain Anthony. Uh, a, you know, a more um, stern and uh, aggressive Anthony. And there's a time to be stern and aggressive for sure. Um, I'll just say that for me, in a lot of those moments, the best thing to do is just not talk. <laughs> Which is a good tool. <laughs> That's a good tool for everyone. Um, that There are times in life where I'm just like, I'm just going to not say anything. Well, and Pastor Amanda used the word ex, uh, exegeting these, the circumstances around um, not only the Bible, but the situation that you have. So I think it's, and that word really means just uncovering, revealing what's behind the, the background of yeah. the, the context of the situation. So I think when we, when we have good Bible study, we need to see the context from when it comes. And that's, uh, that's where we, you know, that's good Bible study. But we also need to know the context of, of the situation we come to. And like Anthony said, sometimes the best way to do that is to be quiet and kind of 
observe so that you know exactly the situation there that's going on. And again, I think if you go back to the Babylon B where it's talking about uh, you know, anxiety, you shouldn't be anxious, you know, and it is a sin, then all of a sudden the man reads it, he's cured. That's not you know, we live in a world where we realize there are physical and chemical imbalances and things that, that cause anxiety. Uh, and then there are probably places that truly people create their own anxiety, and that is what that is talking about. So reading uh, scripture and things of that nature uh, should be placed in its appropriate context. Very good statement, Pastor. Yeah, and Amanda. there are a lot of times where people are really different in different situations. A lot of times people do things online they wouldn't do in person. Whenever there's a, a low threshold for human interaction, people do all sorts of crazy things. When there's easy, and again, it's almost like they're not conscious of doing it. It's, it's like a different personality comes out for stuff. And sometimes you just gotta look past that and and know when to when to act or not. Any other final thoughts before we wrap up? We all good? All right. Well, with that being said. We hope that you out there in our audience, you've enjoyed this. Remember to be supporting your local church. You can support us in a lot of different ways. If you want to grab a link and share that with your friends and family, that would be tremendous. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, a lot of different places. You can support us monetarily at patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.